Today is Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The latest on Bill's safety, Damar Hamlin. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, give us a rating, share with a friend. You know what to do. Let's get through the news of the cray together with people who share your perspective, your Christian perspective. Joining me as always, Billy Hallowell. On this Wednesday, Tragons Phillips is on vacation, probably holding his Christmas tree close and hoping it never goes away. I don't even think he takes it down. I think he just keeps it up all year, if I had to guess. No, we talked about this. He keeps it up till like the end of January. <laughs> that's 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 aggressive. It is aggressive. But Trey it's is aggressive. the resident Mr. Christmas here at the Quick Start Podcast. But uh, a lot to cover on the pod today here on this hump day. Billy, we've got uh, some, some survey has been done on Congress, the new Congress, and the numbers on the religious makeup are very interesting. They are. They are. I don't want to give I don't want to give too much of right. a spoil right now because we're going to talk about it. But the majority of Congress is Christian. OK, in nature, theologically. Um, but there's some interesting shifts in movements. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, indeed. And also, we're going to get into the latest on the dire situation in Afghanistan. That thing's been kind of memory hold a little bit it was a horrible disaster we all remember the scenes happening there well what's happened since we're gonna have the latest on that on the main thing today but first we're gonna get into the news in 90 seconds and representative kevin mccarthy has apparently suffered defeat in his bid uh, for house speaker as rep jim jordan has also garnered some votes No speaker was elected in the first ballot after McCarthy fell short on votes, and then he fell short again a second time. Uh, He needs 218 votes, but that number could change if the members withhold their votes. Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin remains in critical condition after suffering cardiac arrest during Monday night's game against the Bengals. The team announced yesterday in their latest update, Bill said Hamlin spent the night the University of Cincinnati Medical Center's intensive care unit. That was after collapsing on the field uh, around 8.55 p.m. He's still at the hospital and remains in critical condition. And Hawkeye star, the Avenger, Jeremy Renner, was near his home, moving snow from his driveway over the weekend so that his family members could leave his Nevada residence after they got together for the holidays when he suffered a very serious injury. And he was also assisting a stranded motorist at the time of the accident, according to reports. And he was helping clear a neighbor's driveway. So out there doing good deeds and then suffered a pretty severe injury, but he's apparently in critical but stable condition. So those are some of the day's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. They're going to release more details on this Hawkeye situation and... My gosh, is anything safe these days? I feel like there's so many. He's just snow plowing and suffered a pretty severe injury. Um, I think it was blunt trauma to the to the chest and and I think around his mouth, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that he had some work done, uh, according to some of the reports. But man, just uh, out there trying to clear some snow for some people and uh, suffered a pretty, pretty big injury. And of course, the Bills uh, player, Damar Hamlin, you had an interview, Billy, with his high school coach. Yeah, yeah, that was really, it was interesting to hear 
you know, what he was like as a young person, what yeah. he was like before he graduated in 2016 from high school. And the coach had glowing things to say about him. Obviously, his talents on the field, but who he was as a person and who he is as a person off the field. Um, just a generous, kind person, which we've seen with the toy drive that he's been involved with, which, you know, he had a goal of $2,500 that he wanted to raise and it's raised millions of dollars now in the last couple of days. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the fact that he had it at 2,500 shows, I mean, look, he's an NFL player. And so for the people in the Buffalo community, he's the people that follow the team, they know him, but you know, on a national stage, he wasn't a well-known athlete that everyone knows. So you're looking at these, modest goals but that just shows the type of character he had he's using his platform to do what good he could and it seemed like he was uh doing some very good things but now he's gonna have a lot to do hopefully he pulls through with, with this and has to deal with what are we gonna do with four million dollars <laughs> in toy money because that can buy a lot of toys so uh they'll have some decisions to make there but hopefully hopefully he has to face those decisions because he's able to pull through here in this health crisis. Yeah. And the family has since updated that actually, which is really interesting. And they're letting people know this is, if you want to help our family or you want to be involved, this is how you do it through that GoFundMe. So if anybody who's interested in that and you're seeing gifts like $10,000 gifts yeah. come through, I mean, it's just crazy. So that's kind of become the fund that goes beyond just the toy drive now. So yeah. that that's a good thing to know. Yeah, indeed. And we'll put the link here. You can find it in the description uh, in this podcast episode so all right we are going to head into our next story now and christians will make up an overwhelming majority of those serving in the house and senate during the 118th congress according to a new analysis from the pew research center what's the story here billy all right, so I love that Pew does this every year right before there's a new Congress. They break down the religious composition, the religious makeup of the new Congress. And so the 118th Congress, and this is so fascinating to me, 88% of its members claim to be Christian of hmm. some sort. So wow. that's pretty pretty incredible. 88% a big number. And that's, look, there's, four, there's 535 members of Congress between the House and the Senate. This measures 534 because one member, Congressman-elect Donald McEachin, he actually died in November after he won re-election. So that'll be a special election. So almost every member of Congress counted here. Yeah, and the 88% number is such a high number, especially because we're seeing people who identify as Christian in America sort of go down. So that number is actually quite higher than what is represented around America, right? It is, yeah. So so just to give people an idea of this, you've got 88% of Congress calling themselves Christian. And of course, people are going to say, yeah, well, not everybody is actually a Christian. That doesn't matter for this comparison, though, because it's 63% of Americans calling themselves Christians. Yeah. That is a big gap. Congress is more Christian than the American public in terms of at least the nominal nature of it. That is crazy to me. Yeah, we'll see how they we'll see how they act in that. But uh, what are, what are the uh, other remaining religions that are represented? What how did those come out? Yeah, it's interesting because I guess we could start with within the Christian realm. Just to quickly mention, three hundred and three members are Protestant, um, and then you've got about twenty eight percent of Congress, which is one hundred and forty eight Catholics, um, who you know, and that's pretty interesting that almost thirty percent of Congress is Catholic. 
Uh, pretty interesting. Uh, but you go down into some of the others. Uh, you've got um, Jewish members of Congress there. You've got three Muslims. Um, there are 33 Jewish members. You've got uh, three Muslims, two Buddhists, one religiously unaffiliated, and then one humanist. Now, this is this is the interesting thing. 20 members of Congress out of the 535, they, they have an unknown religious affiliation. And when people were reached to try to find out what that affiliation was, they didn't offer it up. So that's kind of interesting. You might have some other atheists in there, uh, but there are 20 that we just don't know. That's interesting because atheists these days usually seem to feel pretty safe about admitting that they're atheists. It seems like it might be something more aggressive. What if they're into, you know, they're Wiccan or something like that. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to admit that perhaps. So I guess we won't know that answer in particular, but why let's talk about why, why do you think that this, these numbers, why, what, what does it mean and why does it matter? Yeah. So, you know, we mentioned the fact that Congress is more Christian than the public. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's more Catholic than the public is too. You know, 28% of Congress is Catholic and only 21% of Americans identify as Catholic. And that was the same for a number of other religious groups as well. Um, so you're you're watching a scenario, even with Jewish members of Congress, 6% of Congress is Jewish and only 3% of Americans are. So it's intriguing on a number of levels. As a public, you are going, and that's why I always laugh when people say, separation of church and state, we can't care about the religious affiliation of people running. Well, of course you're going to vote for people who you want, who have a similar worldview to you, right. right? I mean, we've talked about this. So it matters for a lot of reasons. It is intriguing, though, that more people are religious in Congress. Like you wouldn't look at Congress and say, oh, that's a religious people. They act in, in a religious and, and godlike way. I mean, you just wouldn't right. say that, no. right? No, but it, but it is interesting to think that because we see time after time, the studies saying, oh, the number of Christians are going down. People who identify as Christians are going down. The, the number of religious nuns are going up. So you wonder why it is that the number would be so great, you know, the, the disparity between Congress and the public would be so great if the incentive seemingly to parade yourself as a Christian would help you at the voting poll, if that's diminishing at the voting you know, polls, right? If, if the theory is, okay, there's less people identifying as Christian, so therefore I don't need to be a Christian to win office, which used to be kind of a standard thing. If that's becoming less, then I wonder why we're still seeing such a high number of people who identify as Christians in Congress. And I'm certainly not complaining about it. I'd much rather that than the other way around. So I'm happy about that. Uh, but I just find it interesting that the dynamic exists. Yeah. Well, and you wonder because politics is so confusing and complicated. Yeah. Are people overstating their faith because they think there's a benefit still? Mm -hmm. Are they... Yeah, because look, I remember when Essie Cup, and you'll remember this too, when we were at, working at the Blaze, and when she said, you know, that she wouldn't vote for an atheist at the time. I don't yeah. know if she's an atheist. She's an atheist. She's I, she's like, look, I want somebody in office who fears somebody above them, and so that is a dynamic in all of this that there are people in the public who actually might not be very religious, but they might want their elected officials to be. Yeah, I don't know. No, that's a good point, and uh, I I always appreciated Essie for having. Um, that perspective and the honesty to admit that perspective, because from her point of view, I don't think that was an easy thing to admit. And I do think 
when you look at the concern that she brings up there, I think you're seeing some of that now when you have um, a pandemic, for example, and people who don't answer in their minds to a higher power when they think the end all be all is government between them and saving the world, you can really justify some uh, heavy handed policies. Yeah. Or, you know, the general morality in this country, the fact yeah. that people are bringing their children to drag queen right. story hours and right. 10 years ago, that would have never been a thing. So when you remove, you have a vacuum when you take God out. And so I do think it's an, and I think people recognize that a lot of atheists recognize that even there were reports a couple of years ago, scientists, some of them who were atheists bringing their children to church. Well, why? Why would you do that if you don't believe any of this is real? You see a benefit to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very interesting stuff. And I know you'll be keeping an eye on uh, how this all plays out and, and how the makeup changes, if at all, in future elections. So we'll definitely keep an eye on it. Interesting to note for sure. Thanks for bringing it. And we are going to head into the main thing now. And Afghanistan, we all saw the horrific scenes playing out um, when America and the Biden administration pulled us abruptly out of Afghanistan and it just unleashed chaos and we saw people clinging to planes trying to escape on American jets. Just sad, sad, horrifying scenes. Well, what's the situation now? Because the Taliban took over and everyone knew women would be in peril and Christians would be in peril in this situation. Well, what's the latest? What's happened since then? Well, we're going to have all the details on that on today's main thing. Today, we welcome Dr. Katrina Lantos-Sweat, president of the Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice. She is going to sit down and talk with us about the situation in Afghanistan. Here's our conversation. So in Afghanistan, we're seeing yet another pretty horrific development. The Taliban have banned women from attending universities and, and colleges. What, what sparked this decision? Well, I would say that it is um, an incredibly distressing decision, but in some ways not shocking nor a surprise. We have to understand that the suppression of women is really integral to the extremist ideology of the Taliban. And those of us who are familiar with um, the way they ran Afghanistan in the early dark days of their first rule of that country, we're not we're not shocked. We're not surprised by this tragic development. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think in some ways it was inevitable because for the Taliban, they really cannot move into a modern pluralistic society in which women are full participants and have their full place at the table. And, uh, and so it seemed like sooner or later, they would get around to taking this really outrageous and dreadful step. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems like women aren't even par partial participants in society. I mean, it, looking at some of the other things they've done, and I'd love for you to detail some of them, but not allowing women to go to gyms, not allowing women to um, get, get lower education under college as well. What are some of the other ways they have restricted women's rights over the last couple of months, even the last year? Yeah, well, um, once again, women are required to be completely veiled if they step outside the confines of their home. They're really not permitted to go anywhere without a male escort, a family member male escort. Uh, they are now excluded from education past the sixth grade. So the Taliban, in a sort of weird 
process had um, kicked young women, young girls out of high school, but there still seemed to be this odd opportunity for them to go to the university. Um, And so they could go through sixth grade. They couldn't go past sixth grade, but then somehow they could go to the university, which is one reason why I think many of us who have followed the situation there felt that this was very, very likely. But in a broader sense, the Taliban do not view women as equal members of the human race. They are subjugated and repressed and suppressed and really robbed of their most fundamental human rights. And, you know, earlier this year, the Lantos Foundation, which I serve as president of, had the opportunity to honor three extraordinary Afghan women with our highest human rights award, the Lantos Prize. One was um, a distinguished judge. One was a tech CEO and entrepreneur. And one was the founder of the first Afghan women's soccer team. Um, Judge Fauzi Amina, the judge, uh, Roya Maboub, this remarkable high-tech entrepreneur, and Khalida Popal, this fabulous athlete and inspirational figure. And I have to say that anyone who has spent time with the women of Afghanistan, you cannot help but be so impressed and humbled by their strength, by their courage, by their bravery, their determination. They are extraordinary women. And um, and so this really feels like such a tragic, tragic development to those of us who who care about about that country and especially about the women and girls of Afghanistan. Well, and I want to talk about what sparked this. Obviously, the U.S. pullout of Afghanistan. I want to get into that in a moment. But but one of the things that's been so interesting to watch since the Taliban came back to power are these open pledges about being more pluralistic and respecting women, that they're going to not be extreme, that they're they're, they're saying all these things and none of the actions are lining up with those things. What do you make of that attempt to look a certain way, but yet doing the exact opposite? Well, of course, it's the very definition of hypocrisy. I think the reasons behind it are fairly obvious. Uh, Afghanistan is an economic basket case, a disaster, a humanitarian disaster. And so the the cynical sort of mouthpieces, if you will, of of the Taliban um, naively believe that if they just mouth certain sentiments and make certain utterly meaningless and untrue pledges that somehow that will free up international aid. But I think uh, we need to recognize that a leopard does not change its spots. And this regime and these leaders are the same brutal, violent, extremist, repressive dictators that ruled um, Afghanistan more than 20 years ago. They have not changed. And we shouldn't be fooled and we shouldn't be duped. I don't believe they can, consistent with their ideology, which is their raison d'etre, I don't think they can evolve to become a respectable governing authority welcomed among sort of the respectable nations of the world. I don't believe that's possible. I think they are so committed to this uh, medieval ideology. It's really not religion, it's an ideology that they could not remain the Taliban and and evolve in a way that would make them an acceptable partner for the rest of the world. 
Well, and we've seen horrific stories coming out about Christians living in Afghanistan and how scary and traumatic and potentially deadly it is for, for those groups again as well. Um, and I think, you know, there, there's so much debate and discussion about, you know, you can have the debate all day long about whether the United States should have been there or not. And, and that's not really what we're here to do. I think for me, talking about the decision for the U.S. to remove troops and leave the country the way that we did in 2021, I would love to get your perspective on that decision and the impact that it's had on the Taliban and then being able to come back into power in this way. Well, you know, we're talking today about the women of Afghanistan, and clearly that decision was a tragedy for them, an unalloyed tragedy. Um, they had made enormous strides, even with all of the challenges, all the violence, all the warfare, the women of Afghanistan had made extraordinary strides. I think in retrospect, we can see that, as you say, whether or not one agreed with the underlying decision that it was time for the United States to, to end its involvement in Afghanistan, the way in which it happened um, was deeply problematic. And you know, historians will, for many, many years, even decades, be debating whether it was necessary that every single element of U.S. presence be entirely withdrawn from that country. For more on our conversation with Dr. Sweat, you can head over to the CBN News YouTube channel or head over to faithwire.com to read more of our conversation. All right, Billy, thanks for that conversation there. That leaves us with time for one last thing. We're going to take a look here at James 4. And to be specific, James 4.14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What's your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Essentially, the here today, gone tomorrow sentiment, Billy. And given what we're seeing with Damar Hamlin, you know, Barbara Walters, others, you know, people who have just passed away, you know, you kind of just are so used to them always being there or you're seeing young people suddenly in life threatening situations or losing their life. It, it really should cause you to remember, as we talked about on the podcast yesterday, that eternal perspective and to really cherish each day and each breath as a gift from God. Yeah, absolutely. You know that I think it's a shock to us because it reminds us when a celebrity dies of our humanity that this is not permanent and that this is not where we're going to be. It's really easy to get comfortable here when we're comfortable. And yeah. so, yeah, just it's it's an important reminder and it's scary in the moment for people, but we have a hope so we don't need to be afraid, right? We need yeah. to bring that hope to other people. Absolutely. All right, that's where we're going to leave it for the podcast today. As always, thanks so much for being here. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We'd love to hear from you. So, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise on us, uh, we will be back here tomorrow with more Friday Junior episode coming up next. God bless. See you then.